0: the political divide this is Ed Fallon your host and we are coming to you from the heart of America's heartland that would be Des Moines Iowa so if you value what we do we could use your support folks visit the uh, donations page on the Fallon Forum website and donate if you can or if you're a a business owner or run a nonprofit give us a shot we'd love to have you help sponsor the program and speaking to sponsors uh, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe That's our anchor sponsor, they're locally owned, they're a grocery store and a great local specialty food store as well. Cafes open for dining, carry out and delivery service seven days a week. And here's a great idea, Gateway gift cards. They can be used not only at Gateway Market, but also at some of the greatest uh, restaurants in Central Iowa, including Centro, Django, Malo, Zombie Burger and more. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Thanks also to psychiatrist, Dr. David Drake If you live in Iowa, wherever you live in Iowa, Dr. Drake can help through the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling. That's offered on a self-paid basis, and you can contact David Drake at daviddrakefamilypsychiatry.com. If you are tuning in to our radio stations, one of the radio stations that carry this program, or if you're listening to our podcast, you are listening to a pre-recorded program, be aware of that, If you'd like to participate in the live conversation, tune in on Mondays at 4 o'clock p.m. Central Time on the Fallon Forum Facebook page, and we'll tell you how to join in the conversation when you you catch up with us at that site. Our main topic today is gonna be the war on Christmas and other Fox News myths. But first, there are three other important developments I wanna talk about. First is the um, situation with drone strikes in the Middle East. we all know that's been happening, and a lot of us have been very critical of that. But new evidence shows just how bad it is. There was a five-year, five-year investigation done by journalist Asmat Khan, and it has documented uh, some incredible abuses. Um, basically, the drone strikes and the air strikes in the Middle East, particularly Syria, Afghanistan, and Iraq, have killed way more civilians and. Uh, and far more children than the U.S. military is willing to claim. So according to Khan's findings, and they really are, they're, they're not disputable. The evidence is there. In 2016, there was an incident in March of that year where 21 members of the Zaidan family were having dinner in West Mosul. Airstrike hit, killed every single one of them. And the following, my, following month, a strike uh, a similar strike in East Mosul killed four civilians, and also paralyzed a boy who was hit by shrapnel. And in 2017, 32 out of 33 members of the Suleiman family, who were hiding in a safe place during an airstrike, were killed. And again, a lot of children, a lot of civilians. And yet, um, you know, for years we've seen both uh, Democratic and Republican administrations in Washington, you know, they've exaggerated the benefits of drone warfare, and they consistently downplay the negative consequences, particularly the loss of civilian life, particularly the loss of children. And so Khan's report reveals some really, really deeply disturbing facts. Um, One is that there is this rush to confirm targets. Now I understand, I suppose strategically, there is sometimes a need to be quick in those decisions, but quick at the expense of lives. So before the attack, for example, that killed the Zaidan family, the military was warned by a U.S. official that civilians, including children, were lived near the target, and that, office, that official and the, and the information she shared was ignored. There's also uh, the undercounting of civilian deaths. The U.S. military has been good at that. Uh, they have um, claimed, for example, that 27% of drone and airstrike victims were children Khan's report indicates that's closer to 62%. Again, which is horrifying and so far off the estimate given by the by the Pentagon that um, they ought to be embarrassed. Thirdly, the lack of apologies or compensation by the U.S. government for mistakes made. Mistakes. You know, the U.S. has never contacted survivors of the attack that paralyzed that boy I mentioned earlier. Uh, his family has had to, you know, had to to, find, to, find, to struggle to pay for the kid's wheelchair. You know, the fourth uh, issue raised in Khan's report is the lack of accountability. It's connected to the last issue, but the lack of accountability. I mean, last week, for example, the Pentagon announced that no one would be punished for the August drone killing in Kabul, the strike in Kabul that killed 10 civilians, including seven kids. You know, we have got to end the use of drones to kill our, quote, enemies. When there's a genuine threat to peace and stability somewhere in the world, and I know there are and there will continue to be, those conflicts should be addressed by all nations working cooperatively, ideally working diplomatically, not the U.S. going in solo, going rogue, going in with, with air, you know, air equipment and drones that are clearly killing uh, a lot of people who aren't intended to be targets. Um, to put it another way, it's time for America to end its forever wars. Speaking of wars... Three generals uh, last week warned that we may be headed to a civil war. I'm going to tell you what part of their analysis I agree with and what part I disagree with. But first, um, these three retired generals wrote um, regarding the 2024 election coming up in, what, two years now, that we are, they wrote, quote, we are chilled to our bones at the thought of a coup succeeding. And I think their thinking is that if Trump runs again and loses, he'll contest the election. No doubt about that. (laughs) We know that the Republican Party is already trying to take control of key election positions in targeted swing states. And they're also trying to change laws where they've got that Republican majority in the state legislature. They're trying to change laws in order to make it easier for election results to be overturned. We know that. What chills the bones of these three retired generals is the possibility that some in the US military will also support overturning the election. Uh, They write, and I quote, with the country still as divided as ever, we must take steps to prepare for the worst. Without constant maintenance, the potential for a military breakdown mirroring societal or political breakdown is very real. They point out that uh, lots of veterans and even active military personnel took part in the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. The uh, generals say that in a contested, and I quote again, in a contested election with loyalty split, some might follow orders from the rightful commander-in-chief, but rogue units might follow the Trumpian loser. It is not outlandish to say a military breakdown could lead to civil war. End quote. And I'll say that I only agree with part of that. It's um, pretty certain that Trump is preparing to run again and it is pretty certain that he is preparing if he loses to steal the next election and unlike this election, he may well have the pieces in place to accomplish that without military force what I said earlier about about uh, changing the uh, changing laws in key swing states about about stacking elections officials so that the results go your way even if they don't go your way you know but even if Trump can't pull that off, I don't see the US military splitting and inciting a civil war. You know, is civil war possible? Yeah, I sure. <laughs> and it's already, I'd say this, I'd say it's already underway. The civil war is primarily a cultural battle. It's a battle that's breaking along rural urban lines. It's going to continue. It's gonna get worse. I could be wrong, but I don't see a coming to armed revolt. That's the, that's the optimist to me, but I think that's realistic optimism. You know, I don't see it coming to the point where there's an, it was an open revolt and some states are seceding from the U.S. But regardless, this cultural and political civil war is absolutely weakening America's, you know, democracy. It's, it's emboldening those around the world who might want to take advantage of our failing status as a democracy. Yeah, see Vladimir Putin for details on that. Um, so, yeah, we should pay attention to what these general, uh, generals are saying. We should be concerned about the next election for sure, and we should work against the widening gap between red and blue America, red and blue America, and I've tried to do that on this program, interviewing Iowans I know that supported Trump. They're not bad people. They're not racist. They're, they're not sexist. They're not misogynist. They're good people, and we have to build those connections Build those bridges, and we're going to undermine this cultural civil war. That, to me, is the very real and present challenge we face. You know, again, maybe the generals are right. I don't think so, but it bears watching, and I, I commend them for having the courage to raise the uh, raise that issue. You know, but here's the threat that, um, that trumps, no pun intended, all other threats, and that is what's happening way down south. And I'm talking so far down south, we're talking about the Antarctic. You know, 20 years ago, no one predicted that the Larson B Ice Shelf, and that's, you know, that's a fairly boring name for an ice shelf. If I was an ice shelf, I would want a cooler name than that. Anyway, the Larson B Ice Shelf was predicted to melt gradually, well over to 100 years, something like that, and it melted way faster. And once it started melting, it took just one month for this huge chunk of ice, like in two football fields thick, to completely disintegrate. Last week, scientists warn that something far worse than the collapse of the Larson B ice shelf was happening. Not going to happen but beginning to happen. We're talking about the Thwaites Glacier. Some scientists say that Thwaites makes Larson B look like an icicle and the uh, Thwaites Glacier has seen these large cracks and fissures open uh, top and bottom. It's one of the biggest glaciers in the world and it is now feared by scientists that parts may fracture and collapse within five years or less. I'm gonna go with the or less part because I, as much respect as I have for clients, climate scientists, they're usually right about what happens, but they're wrong about the timeline. They're usually way off on the timeline. The timeline happens a lot faster. So five years or less, I read that as less and I, I read that as soon. My, again, Thwaites is about, Put this into perspective, Florida, big state, right? Thwaites is twice the size of Florida. And when it melts, again, not if it melts, but when, it will raise sea levels worldwide by more than a foot and a half, foot and a half. And that's why it's called by some scientists the quote, doomsday glacier. And it is melting far faster than it did in the 1990s. It's picking up speed and when things pick up speed at some point there's a critical mass boom and it's over. So I'm sorry that's you know that's that's the really really big disturbing story of this week that makes everything else seem insignificant. I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to downplay the significance of of uh, US drone strikes of uh, of the possibility of civil war, I mean, of of election fraud. These are all really really serious concerns. But none of that's going to matter. We can't figure out our climate problem. And I hate to say this, but it's worse than just Thwaites because if Thwaites if Thwaites, it, it's kind of acting as a cork, You know, there are other glaciers and big chunks of ice and snow beyond that. And those aren't spilling out into the sea yet because Thwaites, again, just kind of blocking their passage. And when Thwaites falls apart, scientists believe that the melting of other glaciers will accelerate, and of course, that makes sense. That could lead to the collapse of the whole ice sheet. and catastrophic, uh, catastrophic global and, you know, global sea level rise, you know, and we will not be measuring that in feet, we'll be measuring that in yards. Okay, so I know you're gonna say, Ed, thanks for ruining my Christmas. Um, (laughs) Not so fast, you know, uh, there is good news, And, and again, good news on climate, people are doing things, people are taking action, our government is moving slow, I should say, our federal government is moving slow, we've seen more action, Uh, around the globe, that's encouraging. We've seen some action at the state level. Uh, California has taken some very significant steps, and I remember California is, what, the world's seventh biggest economy, so that's pretty cool, and at the local level, we see lots of good stuff happening. In cities that are, you know, largely Democratic, and even Republican, we're seeing good things happening. I mean, here in Des Moines, I've talked about the encouraging developments regarding food security preparing for how we are beginning to grow more food locally. You know, in a state where 85% of the food comes from out of state and we're supposedly the breadbasket of the world, that ought to be a little embarrassing, regardless of climate change. But with climate change posing a threat, we're seeing local governments begin to respond. So that's some good news. I'd say we've also got some good news on democracy. Uh, you know, it's again, it's, it's disturbing what is happening with... Uh, election positions around the country state you know state secretaries of state in some case uh, county election officials and again i mentioned how state legislatures are being pressured in republican states i should say in republican states that tend to vote for biden and voted for biden in the last election those states are working to try to uh, undermine the next election but there's also more and more vigilance about that there's more and more uh, willingness to talk about it to call it out to to push back against it. Those are good things. And um, yeah, so I'm not trying to ruin your Christmas folks. Uh, <laughs> and I guess the really good news I want to talk with you about today, and I want to invite your phone calls to dialogue about this with me, is um, the uh, you, you've heard of the war on Christmas, and we're going to talk about a couple examples relevant to that. But the... Um, you know, the good news is that uh, whether you celebrate another religious holiday or Christmas, um, or if you celebrate some secular version of the close of the year, yeah, there's a lot of good things happening. And uh, some of that involves pushing back against silly stuff. And we'll talk about that when we come back from a short break. Again, if you want to be a part of this conversation, and if you're listening to the program live on Facebook, if you're listening on the radio or to our podcast, The live broadcast happens Mondays at 4 o'clock Central Time on the Fallon Forum Facebook page. You can call in when you're watching and listening to that program. You do that by texting your number, texting your name rather, your name and where you're from to 515-519-6323. That's 515-519-6323. And then we call you back as we are able and bring you into the program uh so far we've not had not had to turn away a single caller i'd love to get to the point someday where we have so many callers that we can't take everybody but right now we'll probably be able to take your call so give us a shout again this is ed fallon with you on the fallon forum now you can support uh this alternative to the right wing shock jocks by becoming a monthly donor or a local business sponsor check out the fallon forum website for detail about that and thanks to our current local business partners including groovy goods That's Des Moines' one-stop hippie shop, where everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Groovy Goods is a tribe brought together by Peace, Love, and Rock and Roll. Learn more at groovy-goods.com or stop in at 23rd and University in Des Moines. Thanks also to Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines' East Village. Dr. Joel Westrom and his staff are fluent in English and Spanish. The clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrum. Optometry. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine in, carry out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. GATEWAY MARKET, GOOD FOOD, GREAT COMMUNITY.
1: YOU'RE RESPONSIBLE FOR A LOT, AND IT'S EASY TO BECOME OVERWHELMED, TO FEEL HELPLESS, EVEN HOPELESS. WHAT'S NOT SO EASY IS FINDING YOUR WAY BACK TO FEELING AND FUNCTIONING BETTER. PSYCHIATRIST DR. DAVID DRAKE HELPS INDIVIDUALS AND COUPLES THROUGHOUT IOWA WITH THE CONVENIENCE AND PRIVACY OF TELEVIDEO COUNSELING. DR. DRAKE ALSO PRESCRIBES MEDICATION WHEN NEEDED AND HIS SERVICES ARE OFFERED ON A SELF-PAY BASIS. If you need help, don't delay. Contact Dr. Drake at daviddrakefamilypsychiatry.com.
0: Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. This is your host, Ed Fallon. And if you're listening to one of our radio affiliates or our podcast, again, this program is pre-recorded. If you're listening live on our Facebook live stream at 4 p.m. on Monday Central Time, give us a shout if you'd like to join the conversation. 515-519-6323. Text your name and hometown to that number, 515-519-6323, and we will call you back and bring you into the program. The war on Christmas, as I like to say, and other Fox News myths. So last week, uh, this is sad on a number of levels, A mentally disturbed homeless man in New York City lit the uh, Fox News Christmas tree on fire. Actually, to be clear, it was a a fake tree. Fake tree, yeah. But uh, it was 50 feet tall, it was quite an inferno. And I mean, I don't support that kind of property destruction. This guy was mentally disturbed, homeless. um, And, um, you know, you you would... (laughs) You, you would think that would be enough to kind of say, okay, this, this, this shouldn't have happened. Um, but, uh, of course, they, Fox News had to politicize it. They had to uh, take it in a direction that, uh, that, that, they, uh, that they could make some hay on. And here's Tucker Carlson responding to that, uh, that, ex, that incident.
2: Christmas tree is a symbol. It's a symbol of a specific culture. It's a symbol of a much-loved tradition that is hundreds of years old. But above all it's a symbol of a religion in this case the world's largest religion torching christmas trees is an attack on christianity obviously it's an assault on religious observance by current standards destroying someone's religious symbol would be called a hate crime that's a category much
0: okay so um, of course they love to latch onto the uh, language that folks on the left tend to use so yes it's a uh, torching a christmas tree is a hate crime Again, not if you're a mentally disturbed homeless guy. Who I mean, this guy has done some crazy things. He he needs help. Um, he's not he's not up to commit a hate crime. So you know, again, but 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 he the guy. The Fox News should have paid this guy to do that because it just plays so perfectly into their narrative about the war on Christmas. And I and I want to I want to talk to you a bit about um, about what. <laughs> A, an email I got from my good friend Donald Trump about 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 uh, the war on Christmas, and also about what he said on my Huckabee show. But again, I want to go to my phone lines here at first. And welcome to the program, uh, uh, Debbie Griffin. Hello, Debbie. Welcome to the program. Hi,
3: Ed.
0: How are you? I'm doing okay, other than a
3: little frog in my throat
0: here. A frog? We'll get rid of that.
3: <laughs> I'd like to.
0: <laughs> so uh you are a pastor in Des Moines here.
3: Yes I am. I'm a pastor at Downtown Disciples.
0: Okay. And you're not you're not involved with the war on Christmas, I assume you're not trying to uh take uh, <laughs> take Christmas away from people like Tucker Carlson?
3: No, no. Um I wouldn't dream of taking Tucker or anyone else's Christmas away from them, that's for sure. I I do think um yeah, you know, I'd like to say something about his his comment uh, that this was a hate crime. I, I just think that it, that is such an insult to hate crime legislation and to victims of hate crime. So I, first of all, I'm just um, so appalled that he would use that language because it, it belittles The harm that has been done to people, uh, it it belittles hate crime. Good
0: point, good point.
3: And then, you know, this tree, uh, the patriotic Christmas tree, (laughs) I struggle with the connection between the Christmas story and patriotism, because, of course, it's opposite of what Jesus stood for, lived for, and died for. Um, Jesus was anti-empire. That's why they killed him. Uh, wow. They were afraid yeah. of an uprising. And so to have this uh, enormous patriotic Christmas tree, I think, you know, I, I'm not trying to make light of what happened, but for a patriotic Christmas tree to grow up and, you know, go up and smoke, uh, is really pretty appropriate <laughs> because, <laughs> because
1: that
3: is just so anti-Christmas and anti the way of Jesus to have <laughs> a red, white, and blue Christmas
0: tree. Well, I, I get what you're saying about that. It's it's uh, it's kind of crossing that boundary, the, that separation of church and state. But uh, I'm, I'm not willing to condone the torching of Christmas trees, even if they're really hideously no. ugly. And this, I mean, nothing, <laughs> this tree was there was nothing attractive about it to me. It was fake. It was no. it was it was just totally overdone.
3: <laughs> Absolutely, and I and I'm not. Gonna but still, the, the <laughs> right. act. I I just think that you know it is similar to Jesus' act of when he rode a donkey into Jerusalem uh, at Passover time. He was making an ass out of Rome, and,
4: <laughs> and that's, that's
3: sort of what. That's uh, quite a pun, there, is, Debbie. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, and that's sort of what this person was doing. I, I don't think that was probably this person's intention um, because I understand that they, yeah. you know, have a, a, a lot of pain in their life and, and probably suffering and, and were perhaps trying to draw attention to themselves for other reasons. But But maybe they knew or maybe they didn't know. That they were really making a statement that was consistent with the actions of Jesus, yeah. uh, in in poking fun yeah. at an empire or a TV network that wants to say that you know Christmas ought to be a political issue rather than a, a faith celebration.
0: Here's my here's part of my my problem, uh, Debbie, is that. Um... I, I I think the the so-called war on Christmas is a myth, uh, but I think there are folks on the political left who feed that, uh, who give folks like Tucker Carlson f- more fuel for his fire. No pun intended there either. Uh, here's an example. Um, this was from uh, I think three years ago. The Huffington the Huff Post. Uh, they uh, canceled Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they pointed out that the, uh, the, the, the cute little um, animated cartoon that I grew up loving, I mean, I loved Rudolph. And, uh, but the problems with Rudolph apparently, the reason Rudolph got canceled by this HuffPost writer was that, uh, well, four of them. One, the, uh, Rudolph's, col- Rudolph's coach encouraged bullying by saying, quote, from now on gang, we won't let Rudolph join in any reindeer games, right? And then he had Clarice's dad, uh, basically yeah, kind of a bigot saying saying he, he would forbid his daughter from hanging out with Rudolph, saying, now there's one thing I want to make very clean, very plain. No doe of mine is going to be seen with a red-nosed reindeer. <laughs> and then Donna forbids his wife from joining the search for his son, saying, no, this is man's work. And so, you know, that, that sort of stuff is just silly. I mean, I don't know why anybody would want to take on Rudolph or any, I, I, don't, I don't get that. Maybe you disagree, but that's my, that's my concern.
3: Yeah, I guess my, my concern isn't so much about, um, TV shows that are outdated because we, <laughs> we could spend, you know, uh, all of the an entire month of December, all year long, talking about holiday shows and other TV shows that are outdated. Um, one of my husband's favorite Christmas shows is, you know, uh, I think sexist, that doesn't mean that, you know, Wait,
0: wait, I, now, which one is that?
3: the um, it's a wonderful life. oh
0: okay <laughs> um,
3: you know, which is a great show and and so we still watch it, but you know it gets on it gets on my nerves with all of the sexism and it but, but but you know, just because something is outdated and and inappropriate doesn't mean that you throw it out forever. Right. Um, you know, you, you note know how you wish it was different and and, uh, and carry on. Um, I, I guess the thing that really disturbs me about this war on Christmas is that, first of all, I think it's just uh, for political purposes to get people all riled up. Uh, it's just like an, a wedge issue mm-hmm. that uh, folks use to get people on their side politically. But it's just so sad that Words of kindness like happy holidays can't get people angered. Uh, there's there's just no reason that we can't wish our Jewish friends happy Hanukkah, uh, that we can't wish folks had, you know a merry Kwanzaa. Um, December is full of holidays and and Christmas doesn't get to own the whole the whole month and Christians don't get to to stake claim on on all of December it just makes me sad that we wouldn't want to wish people of other faiths right. a, a happy holidays and 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 marry whatever they're there so and And you know, celebrating. You know,
0: one of the other complaints is that you know s- uh, stores uh, will instead of telling their greeters to say Merry Christmas, the people when they walk in, they're now required to say Happy Holidays. Uh, is that going too far, or does that is that is that does that, 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 that make sense to you?
3: I guess my advice would be if people have trouble with stores saying Happy Holidays and Merry instead Merry Christmas, maybe what they should do instead. Of getting uptight about that is just reject capitalism and and
0: take their dollars and give it to people in need. Along those lines, (laughs) you you, you mentioned that that, might
3: be more Christian, you know, that might be a more Christian thing
0: to do. Now you mentioned, uh, you mentioned, Debbie, that uh, that that there are those who use this con this idea of a war on Christmas for political purposes. And I think Fox News clearly does that. But I think there's also uh, an economic Benefit to the war on Christmas, and I and I think Donald Trump has has mastered accomplishing both goals at one at one fell swoop. I mean, I, here's the email I got from uh, Donald Trump Jr. last week saying, "Quote: Even though Joe Biden and the Grinch, Dr. Fauci, uh, want to cancel Christmas, <laughs> my father and I know real patriots are going to celebrate in style with our limited edition Trump Save America Christmas ornament." But I can only oh hold your limited edition Trump Save Christmas ornament, ornament for one more hour before we have to give it to the give it away to the next Trump patriot. So don't let that happen. I mean, it's just <laughs> uh, it's just kind of shameless, you know. Uh, oh, it is shameless, but yeah. that's not inconsistent
3: with anything coming
0: from the Trump family. <laughs> no, no, it's not. And then, of course, we have Trump himself on a recent Newsmax program. Uh, Mike Huckabee is uh, on Newsmax In uh, Newsmax of course makes Fox News look liberal um, and he said and I quote when I started campaigning I said you're going to say Merry Christmas again and now people are saying it again implying that during the Obama years people weren't able to or allowed to or comfortable saying Merry Christmas even though I think of many many instances where President and, and President Barack Obama and Michelle Obama said Merry Christmas so of course.
3: Yeah. It, it's just like most things that come out of Donald Trump's mouth. It's not true. It's a lie. Right? Yeah. People say Merry Christmas. We still say Merry Christmas and we can we can say Merry Christmas and we can still say happy holidays.
0: So is there a way is there a way to kind of I mean there there are people I mean I I, I don't I don't have much confidence in Tucker Carlson or Donald Trump or Donald Trump Junior, but there are good people I know who still kind of feel like, Hey, there's this attack on Christmas. I want to be able to say, Merry Christmas. I want to be able to see this, this uh, holiday be focused on my belief system. Is there a way to reach out to folks like that, that might, you know, bypass some of the heated rhetoric and get to the reality that we all share a common interest at this time of the year?
3: Well, I would hope that Christians who want to wish others Merry Christmas would Ask themselves, why does it offend them to wish happy holidays to people of other faith? If someone says Merry Christmas to me, I say Merry Christmas to them too. I mean, I, I don't have that. Problem with that. I'm a Christian. I love Christmas. I was married on Christmas Day. That's how much <laughs> I, I like Christmas. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, yes. I love Christmas. But that, that, it doesn't bother me for other people to say other greetings mm-hmm. instead of Merry Christmas. And, and in fact, you know, if people really want to think that you know, there's a war on Christmas or that Christians are being persecuted, which of course I completely disagree with. But if that is somebody's feeling, then perhaps they want to take solace in the the reality that Christianity flourished when it's persecuted. And when it, when it is, you know, not popular it, with... Its surroundings. So you know, take comfort. Uh, you know, good news. This is
0: great. Uh, as long as they don't bring out the the uh, the uh, the lions again. That, that that's more persecution than most of us want to manage.
3: You know? For sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, Debbie. Thank you.
0: uh Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for taking my call.
3: And Ed, happy holidays and merry Christmas. All right. Same
0: to you, Debbie. We've been talking to Debbie. Uh, Debbie Griffin, folks, pastor of the uh, Downtown Disciples Church in Des Moines. Going to take a short break here. We'll be right back. I think Ron Yarnell is going to join us. If you want to call and be a part of the conversation, again, text us at 515-519-6323. 515-519-6323. Text us and we'll call you right back and bring you into the conversation. You can support the alternative to right wing shock jock radio by becoming a monthly donor of this program or by becoming a business sponsor. Check out the Fallon Forum website. That's fallonforum.com. Thanks to our business partners, including Story County Veterinary Clinic where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small for over 30 years. Our cat loves her. Our chickens love her. And you can learn more at Story County Vet Clinic's Facebook page. Thanks also to Architecture by Synthesis, adamantly and actively supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Owner Mark Clipsham knows we have to build better health for people and the planet, and the services he provides are committed to that goal. That's Architecture by Synthesis.
4: Groovy Goods is your Des Moines one-stop hippie shop. Located near Drake University, we are more than just a store. Groovy Goods is about community. We're a tribe brought together by peace, love, and rock and roll. You will be greeted by friendly staff, the smell of incense, the vibration of healing stones and crystals, the vibrant colors of clothing and tapestries, and an extensive herbal apothecary and metaphysical products. At Groovy Goods, everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Check us out online, groovy-goods.com, or stop in at the corner of 23rd and University in Des Moines. At Westrom Optometry, Dr.
0: Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry located in Des Moines East Village. And welcome back to the uh, Fallon Forum. Today we're um, talking about the war on Christmas and other Fox News myths. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I was interested. In this, uh, prepping for this conversation, I, 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 I found some interesting stuff. Apparently the Puritans banned Christmas. The, the original white settlers in the U.S. Uh, banned Christmas because they viewed it uh, as inappropriate. The offering of gifts, decorating of trees to them, was a link to paganism. And honestly, that's not untrue. I mean, the, you know, Christmas was established way back in the, what, 300 A.D., well after Christ was born, of course. It was, it was established uh, in part at, the, at this time of the year to supplant the Roman and, and Egyptian and other pagan, so-called pagan, celebrations. And so, um, yeah, the Puritans were not, they were anti-Christmas. So you wouldn't have heard the Pagans walking around, or the Puritans, rather. You would not have heard them walking around saying, hey, Merry Christmas, Um, uh, Miles standing. Uh, And even in the early days of the U.S., celebrating Christmas was considered a British custom. And as such, it fell out of favor. It wasn't until 1870 that Christmas became a federal holiday, a fairly recent development. Very interesting. All right, again, welcome to the you know, welcome to the conversation. If you want to join us, 515-519-6323. Text us, we'll call you back, bring you into the conversation. Uh, I want to go to the phone and welcome uh, Ron Yarnell to the program. Hello, Ron, how are you? I am
4: okay, uh, Ed.
0: Okay, that's good, I guess.
4: I guess so, too.
0: Yeah, so um, Christmas. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Where are we at?
4: Uh... I celebrate a Merry Christmas.
0: Okay, and how do you uh, feel about people who um, who just say who just say we should say Happy Holidays
4: and leave it at that? I don't care. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's just kind of like okay, uh, you know, be like uh, Bing Crosby, Happy Holidays. You know, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it, you know, and uh, it, it's. I was listening to the program and, you know, there was a, so there was this incident by this homeless guy, uh, in New York, I guess, right. uh, uh, uh to, torched a Christmas tree. Well, he, and, he, he
0: torched like, the Fox news ha- uh, headquarters Christmas tree. Right.
4: The right. ultimate offense. And, and someone goes on, someone was that Terkel Carlson who, who said a Christmas tree is a symbol of, of Christianity, a symbol of faith
0: yeah i know which is funny because it's really a pagan symbol but yeah <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just a
4: cultural it's just a cultural accoutrement it has nothing to, right you know I, i'm not even sure I, i'm sure that the holy family when jesus was growing up never had a christmas tree i'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty sure about that <laughs> and I'm Well not, how, not, how
0: would you know ron come on how would you know
4: because our, our pine trees even indigenous to, to the Holy Land. I, I, you know, that's a good, It could have been, It
0: could have been a young Lebanese cedar. Those are very very famous cedar yeah, trees the, in Lebanon.
4: The thing is, and it's like, there, there's actually a kafluffle because uh some, there's like a different spin on Rudolph. It's just like, what does Rudolph have to do with Christianity? I mean, it's a nice story when you're 10 years old, I guess, I liked it. Okay, okay. It's, a, it's a good story about uh, being uh, on the outside and uh, trying to get in with the in crowd and you know, that's important for kids, but right. it's not necessarily a faith story of any kind. No. Uh, so it's like, I, I think, I, I guess what people feel is uh, the culture is changing on them and they can't deal with it. You know, it, it's just, it, it just is unsettling to hear a lot of the voices they never heard before. Uh, people who used to keep their mouths shut uh, are, are like free now to talk. Uh, that includes people who don't celebrate Christmas. That includes people, for example, who are alienated from churches, who, who've lost their faith, or just alienated from churches—not necessarily losing their faith in Jesus, but just losing their faith in church, uh, church-organized religion. And what? And,
0: and, and a lot of that is happening. And uh, why is that? I, I know you're uh, involved with churches, ba- so basically,
4: become well, it, it's, I come at it from two sides. For, for one thing. Uh, churches have uh, in the past, uh, you, know, you know, you work up a tab, you know, you know, churches, there are churches, there are congregations that are abusive. And we live in a society where you can say labor for this stuff. I'm not going to, I don't have, I'm, I'm getting abused five, six days a week on the job. I don't have to spend my Sunday getting abused.
0: Um, by, 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 abuse, is, by abuse, you mean a, a harsh sermon?
4: No, I'm talking about uh, uh, being bullied, uh, yeah. being silenced okay uh you know uh, uh, even sometimes being physically threatened um uh, there's also uh, uh you know abuse by sexual predators um uh, all kind you know just a full range of stuff that people just were somehow organized into keeping their mouths shut about. Oh, okay all right and people yeah. don't shut their mouths anymore uh it might be it might be a sermon that rubs someone the wrong way but there's a whole baggage behind that the other thing is coming from another angle is um, I'm surprised that these people who are so up on religion, they don't say anything about the fact that somewhere along the line, we converted to a 24-7 economy, okay? And you could you could call that, if you wanted to market that, you could call the war on the Sabbath, okay? The economy never stops, and people are working all the time, mm. and people are tired, and, you know, religion takes up your time. <laughs> it, well. it, it's like, you know, like like doing, like anything of value, it, it,
0: time is involved for sure.
4: Right. Yeah. And so people people find themselves so stretched really thin. And so I I guess uh, people like Huckabee and Tucker uh, Tucker Carlson. I mean, every day for Tucker Carlson is Christmas. So I don't know what he's really talking about. I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he, it's all it's, his life is one big holiday. But, uh,
0: I'm not uh, sure what you mean by that, but it sounds funny. I
4: mean, he's a rich boy. He's a oh, a okay, guy. Grew up private schools. Uh, never was for want about anything. Uh, you know, it's like. So, what was he complaining about? There you go, okay. Ron. There
0: you go, Ron, with your war on the
4: rich. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, and I'm not doing well. I'll tell you that. So, <laughs> but anyway, it's just kind of like the, the interesting thing about America is that. For a long time, Christmas was not a significant holiday in right. America. Yeah. That's what the, the Puritans, uh, which were the dominant Christian tradition in this country until the middle of the 19th century, right. they suspected Christmas of being nothing more than an orgy, right. of <laughs> a drunken well, orgy.
0: What I mentioned earlier was that they, they eschewed Christmas because they didn't like the focus on gifts and decorating trees, which... Were yeah. symbols of paganism to them, which I mean, they, they're they're right on that account. You
4: know? Well, even even worse, it, it, had, it, it reminded them of Catholicism. I mean, Christ Mass. I mean, that's right in the name, you know. Yeah. Uh, so so that was that that was an, I mean, you know what happens when a bunch of Catholics show up? Suddenly everyone's running around, play oh. partying.
0: Oh really? Okay. Well, uh, we'll we'll I'll get back to me on that later.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyway,
4: uh, well, that's the truth. I mean, when a large Catholic Im- uh, immigration wave said America. That's when Christmas became a major holiday. When uh, Germans mm-hmm. showed up, okay, and, you know that's. I mean, my 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 opinion is that uh, Germany should have like be the the world organizer of Christmas because Germans really know how to do Christmas. Well, you know, America Americans will spy a lot of crap they don't need. <laughs> well,
0: and I think that's the biggest motivation. For modern Christmas, the way it is currently celebrated, is, yeah. is it's, it's commercial. It's 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 uh, it's the market. It's uh, I mean, I know a lot yeah. of a lot of my a lot of my small business friends, they they, they finally make ends meet in December. I get that. Right. Um, yeah. I don't. I. I mean, that's that's. I'm happy for them. I'm 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 glad they're able to accomplish that. I really don't know what that has to do with the spiritual side of Christ, Christmas. The nothing, religious story. Nothing at all. Yeah.
4: Okay. I I mean it, it, this is like it's a pure the, the the material excess is I think largely an American phenomenon. I mean the Europeans and other people in the world they love Christmas is a big holiday in Japan, even though Christians constitute a very small minority in Japan because it's fun. I mean it's a good time.
0: Yeah. Big fat know? guy slides down your chimney, brings a few elves over for a party. What's not to yeah. like about that?
4: You know, so but. Reindeer I Reindeer with a big
0: red nose. Yeah, this is great.
4: I, I think it's just a product. Uh, I, what was Fox, uh, New, uh, uh, Fox News, and T- Tucker Carlson and Mike Huckabee? They they prey on cultural insecurity. Yeah. Okay, because the the culture is changing. It, it, more people have a voice today than ever had voice coming from, from coming out of the margins. Uh, it makes people nervous. It makes a guy like Tucker uh, Tucker Carlson uh, nervous because like he's basically a white guy who was like brought up to be assumed that like he has all the privilege of the world and other people need to bow to him for some reason <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and, and you know Mike Tuckerby is the same way hmm. and uh, all these other people, certainly Donald Trump is like that. And the culture is changing. People are gaining voices. Yeah,
0: uh, and it makes them Christmas nervous.
4: Is, Christmas yeah. is great. I yeah. mean, you're not going to beat Christmas, okay? A war on Christmas, you're going to lose. Yeah, okay, you're just going to. If the Puritans couldn't beat it, no one's going to beat it. Ron, I really appreciate. And, so, pre- and I, other people, they're just being, they're just praying on fear.
0: Yeah, Ron, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us.
4: No problem, man.
0: Folks, talking to Ron Yarnell. Um, we are going to try to squeeze one more phone call into this conversation. I want to reiterate one thing that Ron said because it, it almost uh, it reflects almost verbatim what uh, kind of the, the, the summary comment that I pulled out of a story, and I can't remember which story I looked at to get this, but I quote, The, uh, the war on Christmas is, is ultimately an expression of discomfort at having to share the country and the public sphere with people who aren't like us, fanned by public actors with a material interest in keeping it alive. Again, the political and economic angles on, on, on why we want to encourage this this, this misimpression that uh, Christmas is under attack. Um, I, you know, and again, the left does not do itself any favors by canceling Rudolph or by getting hyper uptight when somebody puts up a Christmas tree or a major scene um, or for that matter, a, a menorah. I mean, yeah, I think at some point we just have to say, okay, it's really cool that people want to share their religious and spiritual perspective with us. Let's make sure that door is open for everybody. All right, let's go to the uh, phone lines. Welcome, one more call to this uh, this element of our program. Uh, Frank from Des Moines. Hello, welcome to the program. How are you, Edward? I'm 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 very good, Francis. Well, thank you. You're welcome.
2: What's on your mind? uh, You know, I I come at this war on Christmas from a couple of different angles. I mean, you know, obviously there's guys, the atheist Michael Newdow, that's trying to stomp every bit of Christ out of not only the public square, but the private square also. So there's that angle of it. Then there's the angle of the people who want to argue and debate, you know, that Christmas is really a pagan holiday, which it is. I know that... Christmas that Christ was assigned a birthday. Everybody knows that. As I put on my post the other day, let's worship the baby, not worship the holiday. I think we can all have good feelings at Christmas, and I think we can wish each other good times, and we don't have to say a holiday tree, and we don't have to say happy holidays. I think we can call it a Christmas tree and call it the Christmas day. And I think we can all just let the adults get along and figure this stuff out and chill the voices out on the hard left and the hard right.
0: I, a, amen to I that, Frank. I, I agree with that. Let me ask you, let me get your take on the uh, the um, torching of the Fox News Christmas tree. Again, a mentally disturbed homeless man did that, and Tucker Carlson is trying to call it a hate crime. I think that's off the mark. Would you agree?
2: Uh, yeah, I, you know, unless the guy had, you know, I don't know much about the story. If, if the guy is mentally ill, which that's what I read in the reports, then the guy's just mentally ill. I'm not assigning no blame. I'm not accusing Bernie Sanders. I'm not accusing some <laughs> grand left-wing conspiracy. You know, I'm not accusing AOC. If it's somebody that's nuts, they're nuts, okay? So I, I think that we just need to take chill pills on all sides when, 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 when. Uh, happened to be some baseball players playing for Congress got shot by a Bernie Sanders supporter. I didn't lose my mind over that and raise uh, holy heck right. over that. And I think turnabout should be fair play when when things yeah. are found out that they're a Trump supporter or this supporter or that supporter. There's enough wackos Ed, and you know this to go around on all sides. So everybody needs to take a chill yeah. pill and. You know, and quit trying to make political gain out of every little thing that
0: happens. Frank, thank you for that. And I, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas.
2: Well, you too, Ed. Have a, have a,
0: have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. All right. Well, uh, we'll uh, I'm All sure right. we'll have you on our program again. Thanks for calling. If you've been uh, following our live stream, thank you for tuning in. That'll wrap up this week's live broadcast. If you're listening on the radio or to our podcast, stay tuned as Kathy Burns joins us for our weekly Farm and Food segment. Today we are discussing, appropriately, Christmas and holiday foods. Uh, Figgy pudding, fruitcake, the boar's head, ugh. Back in a minute and have a great holiday. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines locally owned grocery and specialty food store. With over 5,000 items to choose from, you can order groceries online and the Gateway team will bring them to you curbside. It's a convenient way to shop from anywhere and save time Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week, with catering and floral services also available. Visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Clipsham is adamantly and actively committed to supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Mark knows we must all live and work with the goal of building better health for both people and planet, and he works to implement that vision through his stewardship of Architecture by Synthesis. You can learn more at Architecture by Synthesis At Story County
1: Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Welcome
0: back to Fallon Forum, and Fallon, with you folks broadcasting from the heart of America's heartland, Des Moines, Iowa. Remember, you can support this alternative to the crazy talk on the right by becoming a monthly donor or, if you own a small business or run a nonprofit doing good work, consider becoming a sponsor of the program. Speaking of sponsors, thanks again to Gateway Marketing Cafe, Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-out, carry-out, Dine-in, rather, carry out and delivery service seven days a week. And they've got a great gift idea, Gateway Gift Cards. These can be used not only at Gateway Market, but at several great Central Iowa restaurants as well, including Centro, Django, Malo, Zombie Burger, and more. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Kathy Burns with Birds and Bees Urban Farm. Joining me here in the studio, we're going to be talking about Christmas and holiday food. And I'm a little bit nervous about this
1: um we're good eaters and you know I've, I love food you're, you're worried I'm going to talk on and on and on and on and on No, about I'm food. just
0: worried about some of the things that we might consider <laughs> to be edible <laughs> well
1: there are there are a lot of traditional Christmas foods in many different places and cultures um I looked at a list of some of them from uh, past and present and see that we actually um we have a pretty good deal but just for reference, back in the 17th century, there was a cookery book that listed um, a feast, a Christmas feast for nobility, and there were two courses. The first course showed 18 meat dishes <laughs> and 11 dishes in the second course. And, um, well, wait, they
0: didn't offer a vegan alternative? So,
1: some of the some of the non-meat dishes were like lemons and oranges or salad, kind of like a chef's salad. Yeah. So they had very few non-meat dishes.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: so I thought it'd be fun to talk about what we haven't tried or what we might all right. try.
0: Yeah, so, um, all right, you start us off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, what we're doing is the 12 foods of Christmas that we have yet to try.
0: But we promise we won't put it to some.
1: We Not with At me least singing, not At least not, not this year. Not with me. So um, the, the first four on our list are from the 17th century menu. I would like to try roast goose.
0: Well, you know, you, you the, uh, you the, the fatted goose, there's lots of uh, great references to goose in Christmas literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, with Scrooge, of course, you know. Coming well, through with a goose at the last minute.
1: And then in, in this, uh, this old, old recipe, it calls for two bran geese. And I looked that up. Brand geese is a small uh, uh, sea goose, about two-thirds the size of a Canada goose. So you need at least two. This
0: could be a win-win situation because a lot of cities are trying to control a runaway <laughs> goose population. Canada goose is just out of control in Des Moines. Mm. And we could start by maybe encouraging some of those geese to become Christmas dinner.
1: Well, you have a talk with okay, them. Talk in the meantime, them. number two on our list from the the nobility menu is quince pie. Uh, I have a grandson Quincy, and we're not going to chop him up and eat him in pie. But this is the fruit. This is the fruit. Can you hear?
0: He'd be our backdrop.
3: Our, well,
1: it's kind of like a it's kind of like a mincemeat pie <laughs> okay. without the meat. So um, a, a third one was called a standing tart in puff paste, preserved fruits, pippins. That's a kind of apple. Etc. And I just want to try that because it's it has puff paste in it, and paste means
0: pastry. P- pastry. Okay, I was going to say what's well, puff paste. Pastry. Mm-hmm. All, right. Mm-hmm. all right. And
1: the fourth item from that seventeenth uh, century, <laughs> a kid with a pudding in his belly. Can we
0: use Quincy for that?
1: Well, <laughs> or a goat.
3: <laughs> okay, uh, or a goat. It's
1: it seems that Elizabethans put puddings in all kinds of of uh, animals' bellies, like mm. goat, pig, rabbit, and pike. Pike? Um, you mean like a fish? Yes, wow. I believe. Okay. And then I'm not sure uh, what the pudding is, but it says make any such pudding as you like best. <laughs> so whatever, if you want to do tapioca, go for it. Uh, the next three of our foods that we have yet to try are puddings. We have not tried figgy pudding, you know, plum pudding, or Yorkshire pudding. You know,
0: and none of those sound good to me. I'll just be honest with you.
1: I think the fig fig pudding sounds good. Plum, I think, I think pudding f- with...
0: P- with fruit sounds I think figgy, good. figgy pudding is fun to say but I don't think it's something I, I mean I'd give it a try. Of course I'll try anything once. Sure. Well, I don't
1: know. well wait till you get farther in the list. Um, <laughs> okay. The Yorkshire pudding sounds nice because it's just a batter of eggs, flour and milk and then it's, it's like a little pastry and then that is a side dish and you pour other stuff over it like onions or gravy. So a Yorkshire oh. pudding sounds sounds nice. Okay. I like any yeah. kind of bread thing. Um, numbers eight and nine are both meats. Now we're not we're not on the the list of, from before yet, but I I looked at a <laughs> boar's head, and it really is a pig's head, it's, and it's looking at you on the plate. It's
0: not even a good Christmas carol, I mean, <laughs> let alone a Christmas dish. I mean, why I I'm I'm happy. I, I'm an omnivore. I eat plenty of animals, but. I don't want them staring me down when I'm trying to uh, when I'm trying to uh, have dinner.
1: Well, according to a myth, uh, many many years ago at Queen's College at the University of Oxford, a student was once attacked by a wild boar. He fought it off and killed it by hitting it with books of Aristotle and then presented it oh, back. No. No, to, no, 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 I, I, I
0: get that. People. Aristotle is so heavy and ponderous that it could easily kill a boar. That's a
1: lot of books yeah. to, to well, kill I, a boar. I,
0: even I, just even just one book of Aristotle is enough to do it. I think. That's why this is a myth.
1: Another another meat. I have not tried, and this is kind of nuts because I know people who hunt them—a wild turkey. I would the, like to try a wild no. turkey. Hint, and, hint, and, nephew James.
0: Yeah, and there's well, there's plenty of uh, and there's plenty of wild turkey in Iowa too. Mm.
1: Yeah, they're all over, and yeah. they are well, huntable, we, unlike the Canadian geese. We've seen in them in
0: suburban Massachusetts, in, in a densely populated suburb of Boston, on someone's roof. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've seen them walking down was like like cool. like big streets. Yes, yeah, I mean, like I, deer in, in, in Iowa. Iowa, you, Iowa. <laughs> I mean, in Iowa, you get, them, you get them in the country. You might get one in the city once in a while. In, in suburban Boston, they're like right there in the fabric of suburbia. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they should be able to grab themselves a wild turkey easily ah. within the law, of course. Well, number 11 on
1: our list, or number 10, is the Yule Log. I admit I have had Yule Log once. Have you had a Yule Log?
0: No, I don't need wood.
1: Well, I'm talking about the cake. Oh, okay, all right. It, it, it's a tradition from Norway, and a giant log was hoisted onto the hearth to celebrate the return of the sun each year. So, so what, um, what's... they make a cake. It's a it's a flat uh. sponge cake. It's chocolate, and then they roll it up with a hazelnut cream and they they decorate it like a real log and put little candied fruits and leaves and things on it. So it looks it. like
0: a log. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't taste like one. Good? Good? Okay. One
1: more. Uh, number 11 I'd like to try is oyster dressing. Mm-hmm. Have you had oyster dressing? You're from the East no, Coast.
0: I, I, no. Yeah. But you, you, I, I presume you put that on a boar's head? <laughs>
1: Well, it's just, I think it's just stuffing, like oh, for your turn. Oh, stuffing? Tur- yeah, dressing. Ah, it's, not, I it's, see. Not like,
0: it's not like a poured, like a salad dressing. That
1: could be a whole segment talking about, do you call it stuffing or dressing?
0: Yeah, okay, dressing, good. It. Well,
1: it's more yeah. traditional in the South, but I'd like to taste it. Okay. Um, I don't even like fresh oysters, but I have tasted oysters, too, and right. I kind of like it.
0: And drum roll, number 12.
1: Number 12, and this is, we're cheating a little, we have had this, but just this year. Roasted chestnuts. We didn't do it over an open fire. We did it in an iron pan in the oven.
0: Okay, and not horse chestnuts. You will poison yourself.
1: No, I, I wouldn't. Wouldn't think yeah. of it.
0: Yeah, and, and there and there are there are more and more people raising chestnuts because there's a bigger bigger market for them. And you know they were darn good. I would eat yeah, chestnuts again. They were good, except if it was stuffed into a boar's head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How about into the oyster stuffing?
0: Maybe, maybe the oyster stuffing. Okay, Kathy, uh, thanks so much for joining us, uh, folks. That's our twelve. Um, 12 meals of Christmas uh, (laughs) list for you here. Uh, That was fun. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Again, um, thanks to our farm and food host, Kathy Burns of Birds and Bees Urban Farms, uh, Farm Singular. Thanks to our callers today, Debbie Griffin, Ron Yarnell, and Frank Holtzhauser. Thanks also to our production team of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Determan, Charles Goldman, Kathy Burns, and myself, Ed Fallon. Thanks to our local small business partners, Gayway Marketing Cafe. Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, Westrom Optometry, Groovy Goods, and Dr. David Drake Family Psychiatry. Thanks also to our nonprofit partners Bold Iowa and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. Remember your support for this program matters a lot folks. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another hour of Cutting Edge Talk Radio.